What's going on, everybody? In this episode, I talk with William Shanahan. He is an attorney, currently county commissioner, and future district court judge. Uh, he schooled me today about a lot of stuff, taxes, local government, processes that goes through making a decision. So without further ado, uh, on with the show and give it up for William Shanahan. Love is love. Love is love. Adi- Here with William Shanahan, another episode of The Tea with Tom. So what's up? So off camera you're saying COVID, just kind of waiting for it to be over. Yeah, um, obviously it's presented a, a lot of challenges. So you know, I'm county commissioner for Onzo County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're in the middle of, of budget season right now mm-hmm. uh, when really coming to the end of budget season. So we'll, we'll have a public hearing um, in the next few weeks on the, the budget and then have to, at, by the end of June, approve a budget. And so one of the things that's challenging about COVID now is that obviously it's affecting our sales tax revenue. We know that it's having an effect on our sales tax revenue, but we don't know to what extent uh, because oh. we don't actually get the numbers of what was collected until three months after that, the month that it was act- those transactions actually occurred. So in terms of when the shutdown was at its fullest extent, uh, we, we just don't know what that did to sales tax revenue and what we can anticipate moving forward. Um, you know, and things like, you know, if there's a second wave, mm-hmm. you know, trying to account for that moving forward. So um, what we're, we're having to do is use conservative estimates um, and, and hope that it's enough and then we've put contingencies in place so that if the numbers come out even worse than we're expecting, um, that we'll be able to claw back some of the spending that we've approved or delay, you know, if in terms of new positions or, or different things that are part of this budget, um, like a COLA increase from employees potentially delaying that for mm-hmm. some period of time in order to um, adjust based on once we start getting the hard data of what our revenue stream really looks like. So you guys don't really actually know like what, how much you have to spend until yeah, so every budget, after you make the budget? Right, so, so every budget is always based on projections, oh. right? So revenue projections. We mm-hmm. think that our property tax is gonna raise this much money because of what happened last year and what the overall trend line has been um, and We've got uh, Dave McColl is our um, chief finance officer, and um, he is great at that and has done a good job for us over the last several years in making those projections and making sure that, you know, we we stay in bounds. Um, But, yeah, it's always a projection. So you guys basically have, I don't want to say work off of imaginary numbers, but you guys are basically like, we think yeah. we're going to get this much. Right. I mean, it's, then... it's it's not a guesstimate. I mean, it, there's a, a lot of yeah. there, there's a lot of math and that goes into that, mm-hmm. um, and looking at what has happened uh, in in recent budget cycles. Um, so, for instance, one of the things that we're looking at is sales tax revenue has been climbing steadily year after year, in large part because we're now capturing sales tax revenue from online sales. Uh, oh. in a much more effective way than we ever have previously. How do you do that? So now you're talking about like Amazon or you're talking about like the local like pickup from Target or Food Lion? So both. So if if 
Amazon, if, if someone purchases something through Amazon, um, based and the person who the purchaser is in Onzo County, then we there, there's sales tax that is supposed to be collected and provided to us based on that transaction in the same way that if you went to a store here. Um, really? Now, compliance with that has always been a bit of an issue. And then several years ago, Amazon voluntarily basically came out and said, you know, we're going to comply. We're going to do this mm-hmm. the right way. And a lot of your other online retailers have sort of fallen into line with that now. Um, but before they weren't? Yeah, it's been, well, in, in different states for a long time, there was, they didn't have to. Uh, sales taxes just didn't apply to online retailers. Um, and so there was a change in the law. Um, you know, a lot of the online re- retailers were lobbying hard against that, as you can imagine. Um, and and so I'm not saying that they were being bad faith actors. Yeah. Um, it was just a transition that we went through. And, and obviously with, it was a necessary transition because with sales moving uh, so much in the direction of mm-hmm. online, uh, I you know, sales tax and how we collect sales tax would have to catch up with that. I mean, that's just inevitable. And so um, that's really fueled an increase in sales tax that we've seen year over year for the last several years, um, which hopefully will help us in in not having been hit as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we were still relying purely on brick and mortar, uh, then obviously the effects of COVID and the shutdown would be much worse. Huh. And so, just for everyone knows, the county commissioners, your guys' job is to balance the budget. Yeah, so we we are um, essentially an extension of state government. North Carolina has been divided up by the legislature into 100 counties, and each county has a board of commissioners. Mm-hmm. And we're tasked with doing certain things, um, and then we have certain abilities to raise revenue, um, the chief one is the property taxes. Yeah. So we set the property tax rate for the county. Um, and then we have to use that revenue to um, fulfill the obligations that the state gives us. And we've also got some flexibility in um, using it to do other things that maybe we're not mandated to do, but think are pretty important. Things like, you know, libraries and parks and recreation and things like that. That's... <laughs> so... You're a little bit younger, but what kind of makes someone want to become county commissioner or did you just fall into it? Kind of like how I fell into being on the planning and zoning board, but obviously yeah. not for you because you had right. to campaign. And Yeah, so it's it's something that I've been around growing up. Uh, my dad was a county and city manager uh, mm-hmm. by trade, so, that, you know, so it was something that I was around. Um, politics more generally is something that I've been um, interested in and, mm-hmm. and participated in, you know, I've, uh, I, the first campaign I ever volunteered for was George W. Bush's in 2000, um, you know, passing out flyers and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, and so it's, it's something that I've enjoyed doing. Um, and we had a, an increase on our board of commissioners two years ago from five to seven so there were two Why brand new. It? So there was a local bill uh, that was done increasing that. Uh, the logic that behind it at the time was that uh, the committee obligations had gotten increasingly high mm-hmm. um, for the 
current board members. So you had five board members at that time. Many of them were having to serve on five, six different committees. So by adding two, um, you can share that workload a bit better. Okay. Uh, it also just, as communities get bigger, mm-hmm. it makes sense to have more a larger people. board that's you know potentially more representative of what the community is. Because um, you don't want like only a couple people who are managing a whole, a bigger community as it grows. I mean, because this mm-hmm. isn't like, it's not like a full-time paid position. It's not. It's no, not. It's, so it's, it's part-time. We get paid, it's about 10000 a year. Okay. Is what county commissioners get, get paid roughly. So 10000 a year yeah. isn't enough so for only like. Right. So yeah, it's not a full-time mm-hmm. job by any means. And most of the people on the board um, are are retired mm-hmm. uh, or maybe retired from their primary career. They might do other things as well um, in addition to this. but Because um, now, because, I mean, you're also, you're an attorney. You mm-hmm. do, well, I know real estate law. Do you still do family law? I still do some family law. Family yeah. law. And Obviously, with the new adventure, mm-hmm. um, winding down the, the family law cases that I've got. Um, trying to build up the real estate. So the, um, well, I'm just trying to prepare to transition in January over to the district court judge. That's right. You know? So, all right. I don't really, uh, probably looks bad on me, but I don't know much about local government or even mm-hmm. probably big government. Um, what does a district court judge, I guess, mm-hmm. do or what are they in charge of? What's their... Yeah, so in North Carolina... We have a, a statewide court court system, which mm-hmm. is different than a lot of other states where you might have municipal judges and, and different things like that. Um, but we've got a, a statewide unified court system, and uh, you have uh, district court as part of that, mm-hmm. also superior court and things like that. And, and so each level of court is assigned certain tasks. Uh, it's given jurisdiction over certain types of cases. And so district court... Um, is going to be dealing with uh, civil claims involving uh, an amount in controversy more than what uh, you would see in small claims court, but less than what you would see in superior court. So um, what's your guys' kind of, because what, what's small claims, like 5000 or less? It's higher than that now. 10000 off the top of my head. But yeah, it's, it's higher than that now because um, we like to keep things there uh, mm-hmm. for efficiency's sake. But uh, we also do... Family law cases uh, mm-hmm. at the district court level, so custody, divorce, child support, um, which has obviously been a big part of my experience mm-hmm. as an attorney, uh, and then also uh, criminal cases. We do all of traffic court is in district court, um, and uh, misdemeanors. Okay. So you're you're allowed to do H and I felonies in district court. And what are uh, those? To, so those would be the two lowest level of felony. Okay. Onzo County doesn't take that option, uh, but some other counties uh, do. Huh. So. And why do you want to be the, I guess, the district court judge? Well, I thought I could do some some good there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's being an attorney, uh, you know, care about the court system and, mm-hmm. and how it's run and what happens. And um, so I uh, was in a contested primary uh, in March, which seems at this point like a lifetime ago, (laughs) but, uh, and I won that primary. Uh, and so now I am technically a candidate for the general election in November, but I, I don't have any opposition 
in the general election. Okay, so, so yeah, it's huh. the odds are pretty good <laughs> with no those, opposition. In those circumstances, yeah. <laughs> and so then I would swear in in mm -hmm. January, and so I'll have to vacate the board of commissioners seat oh. prior to. So you're going to leave a, a seat open mm -hmm. when you swear in mm -hmm. for someone to fill in. What was it like running the campaign? I guess for the commissioner versus the district court judge, was it yeah. the same? So, or, um, or what's even running a campaign like? I mean. So it, it, they were similar um, in that they both take up lots of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you don't have any, any weekends when you're running for office. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really just trying to identify events that you can be at uh, and, and meet people and talk to people and see what their concerns are and, and have discussions and hopefully leave them with the impression that you, know, you can do this job well. Um, and, and so you're trying to find ways to, to have those introductions. Um, and there are lots of different ways that, that you can do that. Um, I typically did it by going to community events. Okay. Um, with the idea that people who typically are involved in community events like that and are willing to show up there are also willing to show to up at local and, polls and right okay. um and uh so it's a busy time i mean mm -hmm. you have events in the evening on weekends um and so it's really getting around and having those conversations with people with on the judicial side i mean the biggest difference is that it's a bigger district so yeah. running for county commissioner was just onzo county mm -hmm. uh, which is a big county uh, but how many people do we have here now? Seventy thousand. It in Onzo County, it's like two hundred. Oh shit! Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and we're we're in the middle of a census right now, mm -hmm. uh, which is important for people. By the way, if you haven't filled out your census, fill out your census. How is that going with the whole COVID thing? It's been very tough. Because um, usually it's like door knocking. Last right? yeah, so they haven't been able to engage in any door knocking at this point. So it's really just been uh, voluntary. You get the postcard in the mail, so you go ahead and sign in online and, and, and submit it that way. Hmm. Um, and the response rates on that, um, last I saw, I think it was maybe just over 50%, right around 50% for the Fronzo County. Um, so we're, you know, looking to obviously try to improve those numbers because the census numbers are how they determine when you see federal spending programs mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of state spending programs as well, when they figure out how do we divide this over the course over the country, they use census numbers to to make those. Decisions. Okay, because yeah, that was my next question: is how why is it important? Yeah. And and it's also in the Constitution that we have to do this every ten mm -hmm. years, um, and it's the those numbers uh, that they also use to determine how many members of the House of Representatives each state gets. So if you're someone who doesn't fill out the census, mm -hmm. then you could kind of and, hurt your, and I it, guess yourself or your own community because you don't have as much representation as you could have had. Right. So 10, ten years ago, um, the people who have looked back and looked at those numbers and, and crunched those things, I mean, they believe that because of an undercount in North Carolina, we actually didn't pick up an additional seat in the House of Representatives, which we expect to get this go around so we'll have a, a brand new congressional district um, but obviously having more people in the house of representatives regardless of what party they're in being mm -hmm. from north carolina and caring about north carolina issues is it's, better for us it still looks out for north yeah. carolina in general whether it's on the left or on the right because mm -hmm. there are some things that just aren't 
that partisan, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're a Republican or, or a Democrat, you're going to care about North Carolina's coastline and wanting to make sure that if there are federal funds that are going out uh, to, to help with environmental protection and, and coastline preservation, that we're going to get our fair share of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so having more people doing that is, is better for us. Yeah, that's yeah, that's something I didn't know at all. I'll so, be honest. And those are all yeah, those are all based on census numbers. Um, we, the, um, it was something like uh, it's over sixteen hundred. I forget the how many specific dollars. But it's like sixteen hundred dollars and some change per year per person that filled out the census in two thousand and ten that came to your local community because you were counted. Um, so it actually comes back so, to the community, right? And so it's if if you're not counted, then you're just allowing those funds. That those funds are going to be spent. They're just going to be spent somewhere else. Dude, that's crazy, man. See, yeah, that's not something I know much about or anything about. I'll be honest. <laughs> like I hear all these. That's things. why we have the conversation. Right? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. why. But like I don't know any of this stuff. I'll be honest. When you asked me um, to be on the planning and zoning board, mm -hmm. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was going on or what that is, but mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, I figure I can do it, I can learn about it, and there's just this mm -hmm. whole other world of local city, but, like, it's it's not that many steps up from the census to then getting represented, mm -hmm. you know, up in... Yeah, these things are all intertwined. Obviously, in your, mm -hmm. you know, day job as a, as a realtor, yeah, um, you know, you have an idea about zoning generally right you're gonna yeah. know whether or not something's zoned commercial or residential or, or yeah i didn't have to relearn that stuff um and so but seeing i think behind the veil to some degree and, and seeing why certain areas are zoned certain ways and the mm -hmm. logic that goes into that um something that is interesting to me i not interesting to everybody i guess but I mean, I found it, I'll be honest, at first I was like, I don't know if this is going to be interesting, but then as we got into more of it, I get my little package each month of, like, things to look at and applications. I'm like, you know, this is actually pretty cool. Like, there's a lot going on here. I also get to see different points of view from people who have either been here longer or have worked mm -hmm. in, you know, city government longer who have been, I guess, kind of at this, I don't call it a trade, but, you know, someone who's very involved in the local community I kind of see what their thoughts on it versus me, who's only been here since 2015, mm -hmm. only got out of the Marine Corps two years ago and mm -hmm. just kind of stayed here, versus someone who kind of comes from that mm -hmm. background, you know? Because for me, I'm not looking at it as, you know, well, back in 1990 or even 2000, it was this way and looked like this. Isn't, isn't that, um, well, one, I think as it relates to planning and zoning, mm -hmm. it's important to have those uh, both sets of perspectives yeah that sort of historical knowledge about why things are the way but then also a fresh perspective that you know just because that's how it's been well, i mean obviously to, i'm going to think yeah. that my fresh perspective right. <laughs> is good for yeah. them but i think everyone can deal with could do with that because if we had someone else who was maybe just like put on the board who's just like well it's been like this for a while i don't really care one way or the other i'm already established you know something like this no offense but i've got hopefully another at least you know 50 60 years you know to live mm -hmm. some of them they don't have as long to kind of deal with these things yeah, I you know you need, i mean both perspectives are, are important and yeah on the board of commissioners you know i'm the youngest person on there yeah um 
I think Tim Foster is the next youngest. He's um, a principal out at Southwest mm-hmm. High School. Uh, and uh, But, you know, he's nearing retirement himself, and, and then everybody else above that, um, you know, is above that. So it, I think it has been something that's been beneficial to, mm-hmm. to have um, that alternative perspective. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we disagree on things. No, but it's, it's just like, a different way of yeah. viewing it, you know. Yeah, and I think it's helpful. It, it helps us make, as a body, more well-rounded decisions. Oh, yeah. yeah actually, here's a question I have. Um, so county commissioners deal with the budget. You guys also deal with, like, the gas tax that comes in? No, so that's um, set by the state. Yeah. State, okay. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering the, about that. So the only the ways that we can raise revenue through property taxes, mm-hmm. uh, through sales taxes, which we don't get to decide. We can decide whether or not we want a sales tax, a particular type of sales tax, um, because there are, are a couple of different types, and they can go. They're dedicated to different purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, some will go into your general fund. Some have to be used for education, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, and then they all have their own caps on the sales tax. So we can't decide, you know, instead of raising property taxes, uh, we'd rather have a, uh, or we'd rather have a 12% sales tax, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can reduce property taxes and get most of our money through sales tax. We don't, we don't have that flexibility. Uh, but those are the two primary ways that we get revenue and then also, um, funds from the state so we call it pass-through money yeah so the we see that a lot in our um, like department of uh, consolidated human services mm-hmm. department uh, where the, the state wants to fund a particular program or activity so they give us the money and make us do it basically huh see okay because that was like this whole debate I was kind of having um, <clears throat> with something one of the city managers had said about trying to increase the gas tax here in Anza, just because uh, I guess their argument was since I guess the gas tax, all the money from the gas tax is what goes to the roads and stuff and repairs. And then he was kind of saying that since cars are getting better mileage, less gas is being bought. Yeah, this is a. But I didn't know if that was like a temporary solution or if that. Because I was like, yeah. what if the day we all go to electric in 20, 30 years, like what are we going to do mm-hmm. then? Yeah, so. You know, on the Department of Transportation, um, right, so it's gas tax money goes to fund our Department of Transportation. And mm-hmm. uh, so we have seen with cars becoming more fuel efficient, which of course is, is great, it's better for the better consumer, for the it's better for the environment, all of those things. Um, the being more fuel efficient means that the amount of where they are putting, those vehicles are putting on the road. It stays the same. Um, relative to how much tax they're paying there's a lot more wear now per dollar of tax that they're paying right mm-hmm. uh, because that dollar of tax is, is getting you farther um, and so as fuels as cars become more fuel efficient mm-hmm. then you're, this is going to be an increasing issue so you're going to have um, more strain put on the transportation system with the revenue not necessarily keeping pace and so one way to respond to that would be to raise the gas tax um, which some states have done mm-hmm. I, I think North Carolina has actually been 
either reducing oh, yeah. it or, or not raising it. We at one point had one of the highest gas taxes in the region, hmm. uh, which is not true. I think Virginia has surpassed us now. South Carolina is still much lower than us. Um, but uh, so we can either keep raising the gas tax or mm-hmm. we can try to find alternative funding sources. And uh, one of the alternative funding sources that are often proposed are toll roads. Um, and so if you need a new road, you put a toll on it for a certain period of time and it helps mm-hmm. pay for itself. Um, you know, that's something that you've seen happen more and more around the, the Raleigh area and the Charlotte area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Do you feel uh, like a lot of people are going to, like, be against that? Because regardless of whether they're paying the same money, it's the fact that I feel like a lot of people's mentality is going to fall into they're paying twice. They'd rather pay a buck fifty once than a dollar for gas and then 50 cents mm-hmm. or 40 cents to use the road, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, toll roads historically are not terribly popular with voters. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> which which is, I've seen impediment to them being an alternative funding, funding source. But, um, you know, long-term, making sure that we can keep pace with the infrastructure needs and making sure we have enough highways and that they're of the quality that we need, um, you know, that money's going to have to come from somewhere. And yeah. So, you know, that probably won't be a, a decision that, that I ever get to make. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly a, a, an interesting problem that, and not just us, but, I mean, nationwide we're having to grapple with. Well, yeah, because we were talking about taxes and then COVID, well, mm-hmm. about how taxes go to certain things. And I guess now with COVID, I mean, we were already talking about the budget earlier, like taxes are going to be less, we're going to have less money for roads or certain infrastructure now like besides gas tax going to the roads or the department of transportation where does like the other tax money go to because i honestly have no clue yeah so uh i mean at least here on the the county level um we our budget uh is uh primarily we so we fund the board of education Mm -hmm. um so we give the board of education um certain amount of money every year um, this year it's going to be pursuant to a new funding formula that we recently put into place um, they also get money from the state and from uh, the federal government as well uh, but we provide that's our largest line item also public safety so we provide the sheriff's office with mm-hmm. his budget um, and then uh, consolidated human services would be the next largest and so that's our social workers, adult protective services, child protective services, um, income assistance, so helping people sign up for the benefits that they're entitled to, running the health clinic. Hmm. Um, And so really involved in a wide range of activities. And so do you, so? We also fund our our libraries locally, of course, Parks and Rec. Now is the concern since COVID kind of put a damper on the economy even locally that now we're going to, I guess, either be underfunded or uh, is the cost going to go down for those services before since we had a delay or are they going to be the same and now we're just going to have less money to pay for the... Yeah, so that, I mean, that's going to be one of the things that we find out over the, the next six, <laughs> six months. Um, you know, the on the state level, they're, rev- they're projecting massive revenue shortfall, something yeah. to the tune of... I think um, they said something like $8 billion or something. I mean, Jesus Christ. A ton of money. Uh, and that's because 
you know, they they charge income taxes, mm-hmm. which we don't we don't charge as a local government. So, um, you know, people being out of work uh, and the unemployment rate being so high, uh, that's a ton of lost tax revenue for the state. So will that have an impact on some of that pass-through money, and, mm-hmm. and can we expect to see less money from, from the state for, to help us with various things? I mean, I suspect the answer is probably yeah. Um, where those cuts are going to come from, you know, or I don't know yet. find out. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, states and local governments, we have to pass a balanced budget every mm-hmm. year. You, you can't engage in deficit spending the way that the federal government is allowed to do. And Why are so, they allowed to do it, but the state isn't? So most states have uh, a constitutional amendment, a balanced budget amendment, uh, that requires us to to have balanced budgets every year. And then, of course, the state requires that of counties. Hmm. See, that's interesting to you. Yeah, these are all things I don't know. And we can't print money, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of it. How long do you think it's going to take for us to catch up, though? I know, I know you're yeah, not an economist or anything, right. but I'm just, you have, a feel like, a little bit more insight than I do. Or Yeah, I mean, it, I would say it's, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're looking at employ, unemployment levels right now that rival, you know, the, the Great Depression. Um, it's not at the worst of the Great Depression yet, but, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly higher than we've ever seen in, in our lifetimes. A lot of those jobs, though, I mean, in the Great Depression, you had businesses and and, and jobs disappearing completely. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're seeing some of that, but a lot of our unemployed workforce will have jobs waiting for them once the yeah, restrictions are, are, are lifted. And um, so that number will come back down relatively quickly. Um, you know, how quickly people start spending again. You know, anytime you have a financial crisis, people become more conservative with their personal finances. And we saw that after 2008 and the market crash. It took a long time before people wanted to get back into the stock market mm-hmm. um, or wanted to buy a new house. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, people just became more hesitant about making big financial decisions, and, and understandably. And so we'll probably see some amount of, of uh, conservative financial behavior out of people, um, and, you know, but once, you know, it depends on how quickly they people feel like uh, we're back to normal and whether or not we see a, a resurgence of COVID in the fall or, or winter and, you know, what that might have to do mm-hmm. with people's uh, spending habits. But there are going to be a lot of people who are worried that say, I've got to be financially ready that if I'm out of work for a month uh, that I can handle that. And be in a better position than I was last time. Do you think this is going to like kind of change how people also practice in their own businesses? There were there will certainly be changes that are are permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of those changes I think would will be, um, you know, the the plexiglass shields that you see going up everywhere at cash registers and oh, countertops yeah. and things. My guess is that a lot of those are here to stay, uh, moving moving forward. Not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, there's you know, nothing wrong with being a little bit more sanitary. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably, it probably, quite frankly, will help us with the regular flu season mm-hmm. um, and and other communicable uh, diseases. Uh, so, you know, uh, probably not a bad thing. 
Um, I hope we kind of adopt as a culture the whole wearing a mask when you're sick thing. Yeah, it would be interesting if people, yeah, yeah, so if if maybe people, if they're going to go out, they're not feeling well, maybe it's more socially acceptable to wear a mask moving forward. People will look at you like a weirdo or something. Yeah, I'd rather have someone wear a mask Um, than be all sniffly and mm -hmm. coughing next to me or the booth next to me. Right, Um, or maybe just people being more willing to actually stay home when they're sick. You know, yeah. and um, you know maybe <clears throat> as a as a culture we'll feel like it's more you don't have that uh, pressure to show up to work anyway and sort of try to hide the fact that you're sick and then you know uh, maybe maybe um, attitudes owners. will shift a little bit. Yeah, bosses, your employers might be mm-hmm. more willing to say you don't sound good. You should head home for the day. Well, I feel like the last thing anyone would want is their entire. Mm-hmm. staff getting sick just because of one person i mean mm-hmm. almost everything unless it's you know you really can't work from home nowadays and i feel like there's always something you can either do from home especially in your for an admin type role or even just yeah i mean we're more connected to our offices mm-hmm. than ever um which you know we can argue about whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing but um you know i mean that's the that's the reality uh now you know if you're working in uh, you know, retail or, or mm-hmm. uh, customer service roles and, and things like that. It's harder to, to do that. I mean, if you're if you're working, if your job is to work at a restaurant, you can't do that from home. <laughs> you know, a little hard. I guess you just cook everything up and then have it Uber Eats delivered to the restaurant. <laughs> I don't think our health department would be. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that'd be quite a thing. <clears throat> but so. We're waiting to see when everything's going to kind of, I hate using the term new normal because some people are like, I don't want to see the new normal or I don't want to see this. I don't. Yeah. And, but like how we're going to change. Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, there are going to be some things that change. I don't think that, you know, life is going to become unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I fully believe that, you know, we, we will be back in stadiums mm-hmm. together cheering on our teams. I mean, I, I don't. Do you think this had more of like a cultural impact than an economical like long term do you think culturally this will affect us more oh that's because that that's where i personally feel we're gonna go the economic impacts are going to be felt so even if on a macro level the economy gets back to roaring um there will be individual people whose personal economic situation has been devastated by this yeah you know the uh, you know, if you've if you've put your your life into running a restaurant that's not going to be there anymore, mm-hmm. um, you know that that's obviously a, a devastating economic impact that mm-hmm. for that person is going to change the rest yeah. of their life. Um, in terms of culture, you know, I, again, you know, it being okay to stay home and wear a mask and, and that sort of thing. You know, I think that we'll, we'll see some of that. Um, you know, it's hard to predict otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that for instance, all of a sudden huge, uh, segments of the population are just going to stop going to restaurants yeah, or stop going to bars or, or those things. You know, I think that, that those will, those activities will, get back to normal um assuming that you know the worst is over I, I mean if we if we start to have wave after wave then obviously those impacts could 
last longer. Yeah. Those cultural changes could last longer, so, uh, and be more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think we could see a rise in, in homeschooling moving forward. Uh, That's so a good point. A lot of people have experienced it over uh, the last couple of months. Some people have hated it. <laughs> uh, but I, I think there'll probably be some people who... More open-minded to it. Yeah, who said, you know, this wasn't actually that bad. And I enjoyed working with my kids in this way. And, and I think homeschooling is totally different nowadays mm-hmm. versus when it was even for me growing up as recently mm-hmm. as I did. Because even then it was... You know, it's like, oh, you're homeschooled. You don't have any social skills mm-hmm. or something like that. Is kind of what yeah. the stigma. But now it's like True. every... So I was homeschooled, by the way. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> I was homeschooled uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. did you ever feel that stigma or that there was like... Yeah, sure. And, and I mean, it's it's different. I mean, you have... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that you don't get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it actually happened. I'm just saying, like, from a public school kid, there was, like, this whole thing. It was like, oh, this kid's homeschooled, you know? Nothing yeah, bad. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, as... You know, maybe when people first found mm-hmm. out or something, but yeah, you, know, you make friends. I mean, yeah, I just think that it's going to be a lot different now, though. Because yeah, I think it. I think it will be. I think it'll become a, a less weird option. Yeah. Um, and I think some people, like I said, having experienced it, will have liked it. Mm-hmm. And I think that also um, there'll be concerns about sending kids to, you know, these large group environments. Um, and depending on how restrictive uh, the protocols are, are in the fall when kids go back, um, you know, there may be some parents that aren't excited about some of those changes that mm-hmm. uh, we may see. You know, they're talking about potentially, I don't think any decision's been made, but potentially having kids wear masks when they go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked to some parents about that and uh, they say you know it's not the sentiment that I'm getting back from them is that they don't necessarily object to to kids wearing masks the problem is that kids are not going to be very good at wearing masks <laughs> <laughs> you know especially younger kids they're going to be pulling on them and taking them off and, all. and dropping and, them on the ground and then picking right. them up and throwing them uh, back on and that and so what they're what they they do have a problem with is you know their kid being yelled at all day because they're not wearing their mask correctly or yeah. or, or you know, don't have it or, or what have you. And so that, that it has the potential to become sort of a bigger distraction than maybe what it what it's worth. But we'll find out. I mean, everything that we're dealing with right now is unprecedented. We don't yeah. have a whole lot of historical examples to go by. And so we're, we're we all historical have f- examples where we've had the Internet and we've had mm-hmm. the things we have nowadays. I mean, this right. is, we're experiencing on a different landscape versus before you know sure. before it was gather up the sick you know and just hope a doctor can run by your house or something mm-hmm. like that or get tested now we can now we can communicate still mm-hmm. you know we can figure out there's virtual doctors there's yeah. people telehealth by the way i think mm-hmm. is something that as a, a cultural shift moving forward i think that we will see that i mean it was it was already being utilized more and more, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that we're going to see that develop far more rapidly, where people are going to be doing virtual doctor visits as opposed to in-person doctor visits. Just to kind of, yeah. I guess, ease up on the traffic. I mean, I guess it makes because not everyone who goes to the doctor needs to go there. Right. I, I mean, a lot you of know. a lot of times you can hop on a, a screen, tell the doctor what your symptoms are, 
there are things that they can observe. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, there are some things that, that would not be appropriate for, but uh, I, I do think we'll see greater use of, of telemedicine, and quite frankly, it's more convenient. If we I, I've been so, using telemedicine for years because my dad's a foot doctor. There so, you go. <laughs> so every time something would hurt, I'd have something, I'd call him, FaceTime him, and then he would tell me if it's worth me going to mm-hmm. the docs or not, you know, or, you know, eventually you'd be like, all right, you should probably go see a corpsman or something like yeah. that. I'd go to the hospital or I would go into the, you know, little, I mm-hmm. guess, medical room we had in the barracks. I'd be yeah. like, hey, this is hurt. This is going on, you know, but oftentimes uh, I actually even use it on a lot of my other buddies. I mean, they'd be like, oh, my foot's hurt. And I guess telehealth, I didn't think about that. That's what we were doing. Because I'd be like, all right, let's FaceTime my dad, FaceTime him. He'd be like, all right, do this, do this, push on this. And, um, you know, he'd be like, I think you have this going on. You should go see a doc. Or I'll just be like, yeah, it doesn't look like anything. If it's still keeping up, then go see a doc after a few days. Where did you grow up? California. Okay. And so is that where your, your parents are at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I would have to FaceTime all the way back. <laughs> my, my brother's in California now. He's at um, Travis Air Force Base up uh, North of uh, San Francisco. Oh shit! Yeah, so they right. they got out there just a few months ago. I didn't know you. Well, actually, I didn't know you had a brother. Yeah, so I've got I'm the oldest of four siblings. Oh shit! Uh, so I got two brothers and a sister. All homeschooled too. Uh, well, to varying degrees. Oh, yeah. uh, so the so Robert, the guy who was in mm-hmm. Travis, uh, he he was homeschooled the whole way like I was, uh, but my sister. Um, she started going to high school at public school, and, okay. and my youngest brother in middle school started switched over. Okay. Um, but uh, all three of them are uh, active duty military. Um, so That's my right. I, I didn't know this. So Robert, the one at Travis, he's mm-hmm. uh, what? So he's in the um, Air Force Reserves, but he's a full time reservist. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Kristen is a um, in the Army. Lieutenant in the Army. She's currently oh, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Uh, and then uh, she's going to be going to Fort Stewart down south of Savannah. Okay. At some point in the next couple of weeks, depending on the PCS freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Daniel, the youngest, he's a lieutenant in the Army, and he's uh, currently uh, overseas. Oh, wow. So you got a pretty... So all your siblings are in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm sort of the, the black sheep. My dad tells people <laughs> that he raised uh, three lieutenants and a lawyer, so he was almost perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing with me and all my brothers. Um, all three of us were in the military. Well, I'm actually the only one now who's out of the military, but my little brother's in the Army. My older brother's also in the Army. And I'm honestly just waiting for the day they both get stationed here in the mm-hmm. South because... Um, right now one's in Washington. He says he can get stationed in Georgia after mm-hmm. his next deployment. And then my little brother, I'm just praying he gets stationed in Fort Bragg because mm-hmm. it'll be the first time in, I guess at this point, seven, eight years that we've all been like within driving distance of each mm-hmm. other. So that'd be kind of cool for me. I can kind of have yeah. a little bit of semblance of family back yeah, after being gone for so long, you know? Yeah. No, and so right now we're all sort of in the process of spreading out. So hopefully it'll come come back together. It'll come back at together. some. At How some long have they been in for? Um, well, varying varying lengths. My my sister joined um, most recently, and I, I want to say she's been in about two years now. Two years now. Yeah. 
or maybe going on two years. Um, but isn't it interesting how you see within families, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we live in a world today, we kind of think of it being a somewhat, I think, medieval, this idea that you grow up and, you know, your dad is a shoemaker, therefore you become a shoemaker no. or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, but we, and so we have this education system that says we're going to train everybody to basically go off and do anything they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yet we fall into those comfortable patterns of, of what you know and have some insight into. And um, so we end up seeing sort of families being uh, in similar lines of work. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because, I mean, my older brother, I always knew he was going to go into the military, but he didn't go until after he was 21. You know, he kind of, like, I think put it off. I think there's, like, something inside, but he just kind of put it off, you know, and then when he turned 21, I think he was like, you know, it's time for me to mm-hmm. leave. He came, He literally comes back one night. like, I joined the Army, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then for me, I just remember – being in like, I was in like my AP chem class and I was like, I made the decision like that day. I was like, I'm not going to college. I was like, I'm done with school. I went to go see my Marine Corps recruiter that day and I was like, hey, uh, I want to listen to the Marine Corps. So it was funny. We actually did all the paperwork and then he's like, how old are you at the end of it? And I was like, I'm 16. (laughs) He's like, we got to wait till you turn at least 17. And even then I needed like a parent permission Mm -hmm. slip. So I turned 17, get my stuff in, and as soon as I picked up my diploma, I uh, I left, and then my little brother uh, turns 21 this year. He left this year. I think for him, he always knew as well, but he was just kind of like putting it off, putting it off. Mm-hmm. Not like it's a thing where it's like, do it now, but I think it's kind of one of these things for us, like we just had the feeling mm-hmm. of it, so whether or not we actually wanted to pursue, I guess, kind of like the instinct, like this is the right way to go. For me, it was like, as soon as I felt that, I was like, right, I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving by my two brothers were just kind of like, you know, I want to try college. I want to try this first. And then I don't think it was ever like, a lot of people see it as like a backup plan. I think for them, it was just the inevitable. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like the way we were raised. I mean, not like we have a military family, but we were raised, I guess, just kind of, in a way that almost admired the military growing up. So, you know, it made sense for us when we finally became of age to just kind of leave the homestead and go do our own thing in the military without even, I guess, thinking twice about it. I didn't, there was no, like, right before I left, like, oh, do I still want to do this or do I want to do this? I actually even moved up my date to ship off. And they're like, hey, we got an opening. I was like, cool. I was like, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, and in my family, I mean, we were a military family. Mm-hmm. Both my parents were active duty, um, oh. aunts, uncles, grandparents, all, all of it. Um, Did you grow up here? On so my my mom grew up in Cape Carteret, well, okay. Newburn and Cape Carteret, and uh, then she joined the Air Force and met my dad in Charleston. He was in the Air Force, uh, and so they met there, got married, had me. Uh, we bounced around with the military. Once my dad retired, we tried to come back to this area, uh, but he ended up getting a job in local government in Savannah. And so we moved around with him being in local oh. government. Uh, but this was always sort of like home base. My grandparents were here. This is where we came back for Thanksgiving. This is where we came back for summer vacation and things like that. Um, and so my first year of law school, mm-hmm. uh, my first summer, I came back here, stayed with my grandparents, interned at the DA's office, uh, and then met, that's how I met um, 
the attorneys at the firm I work at now when they brought me on board once Dude, that's once good. I graduated. So, so you're, uh, you're comfortable of, being uh, around military and veterans and oh, stuff absolutely. now? And, and I, you know, I, I think it's part of what makes Onslow County so special. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Onslow County is the, the kind of place that for, for whatever reason you, you spend a little bit of time here either because the Marine Corps told you to or, or whatever the reason. The beach, yeah. you know. And it, it seems to just draw people back. Um, yeah, and I've, I talked to so many people while campaigning who, you know, they spent four years here. They went off doing other things, uh, but always in the back of their mind, this, you know, this comes back up as a place to go and raise your family. And Well, a lot of guys, just speaking from experience, yeah. you know, like I came here in the military. I'll be honest, I hated this town. Mm-hmm. But I also realized I lived in Monterey, California mm-hmm. for free with the military, and I'm from, you know, close to that area. And guys hated it there. <clears throat> so very quickly I realized <clears throat> none of us hated Jacksonville. We just hated the Marine Corps. Right. And so we associated this place with those feelings. But then once you get out, it's a totally different vibe. It's a different town. It feels, it's it feels weirdly, welcoming. It's, it's weirdly cosmopolitan, yeah. I call it, because we have people from all over, all over the United States, all over the world here. Um, they tend to have mm-hmm. this common thread of military service. Uh, but they bring with that, you know, all sorts of different backgrounds, um, and and so, I think that's that's interesting, and it creates a situation mm-hmm. uh, where people like you and I, who didn't necessarily grow up here, mm-hmm. can be involved yeah. in ways that would just not be possible in in other communities. And you see a lot of local business owners here, but none of them are really from here. I mean, sure, a lot of them have been here for a while, and some a good portion are, yeah. but a lot of them are like, hey, I came here with the military, or my dad was in the military, mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, yeah. And, and then you just kind of get this thing here where it's like everyone's a veteran or has lived or grown up around the military. Mm-hmm. So everyone is just kind of, I think, connected mm-hmm. like uh, on that level. I mean, but then you get some weird conflicts every now and then between uh, like like happen. recently. I don't know if you heard about like the snap fitness thing or whatever mm-hmm. um, with the owner there and, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marine Corps veteran versus other Marine Corps veteran, but two different sides of the fence, you know. And mm-hmm. Like, I don't... Yeah, see that? And just, like, you get all these different types of situations, and sometimes it's it's weird. It can be, like, where people work out, you know, oh, I've been in the military, I've been doing this. And sometimes it creates, like, a conflict. I don't know, and I don't know if you've seen it as much. Just, I know from my own personal experience, it's like cool, we connect on this veteran level, military, mm-hmm. cool. But then you meet some, you're like, oh, man, I would not have liked you if I was. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like any other human institution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the fundamental problem of all human institutions is that they're filled with humans. And all of our flaws and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's just going to be uh, part of it. So, yeah. And I think that we as, as humans, we have this, real desire to sort of make things sort of two-dimensional right so mm-hmm. you're you're a military veteran so you're you know a a, a hero and a great person and, and mm-hmm. all of these things um or or you can see it in churches as well you're you know you go to church therefore we believe these things about you mm-hmm. and then if you contradict that in some way then yeah. you're not you're not really a, you're not yeah. really a, a, a Christian or you're not really and and the reality is that we are all whole people yeah. and we all have positives and negatives and, and flaws That's and virtues and all of these things 
and and you you can be all of those things at the same time Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason our brains don't like that idea (laughs) at all that you could be you know that the same the same person who could do this heroic thing over here could also do this really bad thing over here and that it doesn't negate the heroic Mm -hmm. thing that they did but the heroic thing doesn't make up for the bad thing. You know, it's just a, it's a hard concept for us to hold in our minds. Dude, how do you feel? Because we're friends on Facebook. When I see some of these things going on locally, people will tag you in it. Um. Yeah. So the I so my my position on that. If if somebody sends me a message mm-hmm. or calls me up, um, you know my my phone number is is public it's not yeah. you know a secret um you know if somebody calls me up or or, or sends me a message to ask me a question or how yeah. i feel you know then then i respond to that um i do not feel obligated to respond to something just because you've tagged me in a post yeah um because i've seen that i think at least three or four mm-hmm. times over the past few months yeah where and people have an issue in the community and then instead of like i, I feel like they didn't really bring it up to you they're just like shanahan and five yeah. other names fix this issue for yeah. me i have a problem no, and sometimes <laughs> it does put something on my radar yeah and so and i'll call and and ask questions or make inquiries but if i if i end up um you know thinking that i need to reach out and respond i mean i'm typically going to pick up the phone to do it or send a, a direct message mm-hmm. um and i uh and and there are some things that you get tagged in that you sh- shouldn't comment on for yeah. various reasons. Um, you know, not. Um, you know, I I try to only comment on on things when I think it's actually helpful. Mm-hmm. No, and that doesn't mean I'm perfect about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I just I don't know. I just feel like it was kind of. And it's nothing against them because I think they're all coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. They all see oh, an yeah. issue and they want it to be solved mm-hmm. within the community. Yeah. And obviously that means they see you as a community leader to yeah. the point where they feel like, you know, this should be brought to your attention. Right. And there are all sorts of different, you know, depending on the situation you're talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are so many different avenues and, and nuances to things that, um, you know, you're not going to see if you're if you're approaching it just from a particular angle. So, yeah. you know, an example of this is, uh, you know, why does Anonzo County sue Roy Cooper? over the shutdown order, okay? So this is something that's been put forward. Um, and then they'll, they'll, use, they'll use an example of, in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. a county sued their, their governor yeah. um, and got the order tossed out. Huh. Um, and so the, so the answer to this is that Wisconsin and North Carolina have very different legal regimes as it relates to county government. Mm-hmm. So Wisconsin operates according to what's called home rule. So in Wisconsin, counties have constitutional powers to make policy in certain areas that belong to counties, and and the state cannot override them in those areas. That those are specifically county functions, um, and so that gives them standing to sue the the state if they've trespassed in sort of their area of authority. North Carolina does not have that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and North Carolina counties are an extension of state government. Yeah. So it, for, for a county in North Carolina to sue the state would be mm-hmm. sort of like suing itself on some <laughs> level. And, so, and, there's, and the, 
there's some case law on point. Governor Jim Martin, mm-hmm. before he was governor, was chairman of uh, the county commission, I think in Mecklenburg, and tried to sue the state, mm-hmm. and they got tossed out, saying they couldn't do it. Do you feel like any one way is better than the other, or do you feel like whichever way is what's best for that state, or do you think there's um, improvement to be made somewhere? You know, it... I'm not trying to put you on a spot. I'm just no, I'm, I don't, I'm curious because so I've never heard of this I don't before. know that I have strong feelings about one way or the other. I mean, you're going to have positives and, and, and minuses to both. Um, I think one of the probably the benefits of us doing it our way is you have more uniformity uh-huh. in, in rules depending on what county you're in. So in a strong home rule state, you could see, um, you know, a, a large urban area end up creating policies that the rural areas would not be on board with hmm. and then depending on whether or not you're you're in that city or, or doing business there or somewhere else the rules could end up being dramatically different um, and we have some variations here but we're more uniform which I think makes it kind of easier to to do business and live your life because you know moving from Onzo County to Carteret County doesn't really change much for you in terms hmm. of how things operate huh that's interesting. All right, well, that's about an hour on the mark. All Man, right. you got anything else you want to say? Or? Well, thank you for having me on. Happy yeah. to come back anytime. And, yeah, uh, I'm down. Thanks for the, the conversation. Yeah, man, it's always fun. Like I said, I've always won. I missed out on recording all the conversations with people throughout my life, so mm-hmm. catching up now. There you go. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Love is love. Love is love. Adios.